Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt with oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> we Starting practice. off good. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt with the Podcast. I'm your host Luke here with my co-host Carter and my former co-host and somewhat series regular these days, Perry. What's going on, man? Yeah, I mean it's two episodes in a row. Well, I'm assuming this one drops this week, but hey, it two will. in a row. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Two for two. Yeah. And talking about the same topic, two for two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep, going on. We're uh, coming up, so I'm actually leaving. We're recording this on Monday. I leave Thursday very early to drive up to Wyoming to link up with Gabe Gabriel uh, Martinez, HLA team member, and just absolute killer. He's killed a nice mule deer with his bow, nice elk with his bow, and then just put down a, a, a good goat, speed goat as well, killed a nice pronghorn, and then just got another team member, Chet, on a, on a really nice elk. They doubled up with one of uh, Gabe's buddies. So they've been killing a lot up there, so I'm hoping some of that luck rubs off on me, and I'm going to head up there to chase muleys. And then straight from that, I'm driving from Wyoming back to Colorado to pick Perry up from the airport. Then we're driving back to Wyoming to hunt pronghorn. So that's what we're talking about. It's kind of our gear lists and how we're packing, what camp looks like. This isn't, you know, a while back, if you guys have been listening for a while, we, uh, I went through my whole gear list for backcountry hunting. Well, this isn't really that kind of hunt. We'll be driving up. Uh, we've got <laughs> some lodging arrangements that we've talked about on the before that are pretty unique and, and pretty sweet, especially for high wind areas that we'll get into. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah. We'll be flying into Denver a couple hours behind you and, uh, grab our rental car and drive up North and meet you guys at camp. And this is, to be honest, my preferred way to hunt. It's uh, whatever backcountry hunting is all the rage right now, but this is allows you a few more comforts of home and camp. And when you're with a bunch of guys, um, especially like non-resident flying in, having a, a little extra gear there, especially that you can drive up Luke is a huge benefit to making camp a little more comfortable and fun. Yeah. And especially when you consider the fact that we're going to have a pretty, a pretty sizable, fairly sizable group of guys, but also including a couple of team members that this will be their first, their first Western hunt. Right. And we, that's something we've talked about before. I'm, you know, no, no Western expert, but it's kind of nice when you can dip your toes into it. And, you know, like you said, Carter, backcountry is all the rage right now. And there's a lot of allure there and it's very romantic. Um, but there's also a whole lot of logistics going into it and very easy to make mistakes, do things wrong and get a bad taste in your mouth. So for the, the new guys, um, doing it this way, it's kind of a good opportunity to dip your, dip your toes into the water without diving in head first. Well, and, yeah, it's all the rage, but it's all the rage on social media, and a lot of it's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. A lot of people aren't actually doing that, and it's, there's a big misrepresentation. I won't name any names on the brands or the companies, but I just and it's just I got it secondhand, but I got it from somebody that uh, essentially there was. I don't even get into the details, but essentially it just gets misrepresented, right? People will kill things, certain areas, drag them up, make it look like it was killed somewhere else. And it was a pretty well-known brand that I just heard uh, from a reliable source that just did this. And it's just like, why are you doing that? You know, I don't understand the misrepresentation. So we're going to kind of give it to you straight with how we do it. I've done a little bit of backcountry stuff uh, with the hunting. I've done a ton of backcountry just with life, but uh, on the hunting side. And 
it's got its place and it's cool, but a lot of people don't do it. And a lot of not near as many as uh, I think kind of represent that they are. I was shocked when I was lived back East and was coming out West. I thought all hunting was backcountry hunting out here. And then I realized that the vast majority of it's either day hunting, like going from the house or it's from campers and big, you know, you know, or from a Airbnb or a cabin or something like that. There's a lot of, you know, folks that don't do it that way. So if you're back East, you don't have to like think that you're coming out here and you're only going to do a backcountry hunt. And I've talked about it in the past, like expectation management, thinking you're going to carry your camp on your back and go out for 10 days. It's not very realistic. You probably won't, um, to be honest, you'll end up coming out, leaving the mountain early and either going back up or not at all. So it's better to kind of do bite-sized chunks if you want to do a backcountry hunt. And I would recommend if, if it's your first time coming out, it's actually being a, even a little more realistic. And maybe you go out and you hunt for two, three days. If, if you want to spend the night and hunt off your back, come back, have an Airbnb, hunt out of that for a little bit. There's a lot of public land you can access and a lot of territory you can get into in a day um, just across the board. And, you know, at least in the States that I've been to hunting. So it's not an all or nothing type thing. Each has their place and each have are really fun to do. I like the social aspect of coming back to a nice camp. that has got a generator and sleeping in a, a hard structure. That's, you know, we're kind of doing a hybrid. We're not sleeping in an Airbnb. We had looked at that or getting a cabin, but uh, we're actually doing the old box trailer method that uh, hard structure on wheels, hard structure <laughs> yeah, yeah. on wheels. So the old, the old HLE box trailer will be, make an appearance and then we've got two more uh u-haul trailers coming out and we'll have uh quite the little trailer part going out in our camp mobile base camp thanks for letting us borrow your house for the week garrett yeah garrett's been living in that trailer on uh, during event season going from these 3d shoots yeah that's it gives it's nice to have the hard walls like when you're when you're out east uh, of you know even eastern colorado eastern wyoming the winds are are fucking wild like they will whip and uh, when you're in a tent and you're like having anxiety that your tent's going to get blown down in the middle of the night it doesn't really lend itself to a great night's sleep uh, when you're trying to go hunting and putting some miles in in the morning so getting good sleep is definitely nice i enjoy that the older i get especially um so yeah it's 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 kind of a game changer when i did that a couple years ago with carter and uh, cole and the rest of the boys we were out there and i grabbed that u-haul trailer i i was a big fan and that's one of the things we bought this box trailer for all our events. I was like, hell yeah, this will be my little mobile camp. Eventually, we're going to actually put on like a insulate it and put in a RV AC and heater and like make that thing pretty nice. Yeah, I was just talking. We might actually need an, an AC unit this year. It's going to actually be pretty unseasonably warm up in Wyoming. But I mean, it's still going to cool down. But I'm excited. Like you said, that that social aspect. We've got we've got Bobby. And Roger coming out, uh, Cole's coming out with you, Carter. And, you know, I've never hunted with those guys before. And for for Roger and Bobby, it's going to be their first Western trip, um, be their first time hunting antelope. And antelope are just such a cool critter, just so different than anything we have back east. I'm excited to hear what their take is going to be, you know, the first time trying to chase those things around the plains of Wyoming. So it'll be fun to all be able to come back to that base camp, swap stories, you know, hopefully – hopefully help each other with some, uh, some pack outs and some, some breakdown of some animals. If we find success early, I don't know how they're not everyone's favorite animal. They are so freaking cool, man. They're so frustrating. Yeah. But they're so cool too. They're way cool. Yeah. I was talking to Bobby this week and he's like, dude, what do I pack? And I was like, well, I don't know. And maybe this kind of gets us into what we're talking about, but 
I was like, I've been out there where it's been 65 during the day, and I've been out there where it's in the same area with Luke where it's been <laughs> whatever. Negative <12. laughs> seven. Yeah, negative seven with the wind, man. So yeah. 85 like, mile an hour gust. You know, if you're flying and you're doing non-resident stuff, it's hard to not pack the kitchen sink. So right. you got to be deliberate with what you're bringing. But, you know, I think the first thing I would suggest is, one, check your regs for wherever you're hunting because it's not going to be the same where you guys were in Colorado this last week. Check your blaze orange regs and get that. Oh, yeah, squared. Perry. Get that squared away first. <laughs> <laughs> and do that right be sure you know bring a gun and bring blaze and and your tag luke and you can hunt yeah that's <laughs> i haven't forgotten my tag since my first western hunt so you can but, hunt um, naked as long as you've got a gun and you're in blaze and you got your tag yeah and wyoming's actually better in colorado because you only have to you can do either or either a vest or either a hat and of course most people choose the hat so you're not walking around looking like elmer fudd in our vest so uh that'll be good yeah i mean the gear, it does matter, and it's hard when you're traveling. What I what I I talked to Perry about this is I just kind of have the same loadout <clears throat> that I know I'm gonna take every single time, and then I just subtract from that. <clears throat> so like my default is my layering system, boots. So, you know, I don't like an insulated boot no matter the weather, personally, because I'm have sweaty ass feet. I'd rather do a thicker sock. Uh, I have a Gore-Tex boot, I wear Zamberlin's and big fan of them but i mean any of those high-end boots schnees amberlin crispy kinetrek um they're all gonna treat you right and there's a bunch of you know more affordable options that are also great they're just probably don't have the longevity uh and the years of use so if, if that's outside your budget it's understandable i was actually able to grab mine and on a deal on the return rack on shields which that never happens where my you know your size is like the fucking cinderella there that actually fit when i tried them on but boots are a big big key no matter what you're doing in the west you're probably going to be putting some miles in looking for them, especially antelope. A lot of walking, at least uh, in Perry's uh, experience uh, with muzzleloaders, maybe a little less now that we can reach out there and touch them. But boots really matter. I would highly suggest Gore-Tex. If you have circulation issues, your feet get cold, look at some insulation, but just look at the time of the year. And so I always just, like I said, I prefer the uninsulated. And if it's colder, I'll wrap when I'm not moving. If I'm glassing or sitting in an area, I'll actually wrap my feet with uh, a wooby. So like a, it's like, sleeping bag material blanket and i can wrap my feet up with that and that'll help keep my my little toes warm uh whenever we stop but i would rather my feet not sweat because then it gets a lot worse when when we do stop layering system we've talked about a bunch i prefer to run a base layer that's a, a poly and then mid layers that's some sort of merino blend and then from there just building out you have your your outer shells and then with your pants and then you probably have some sort of fleece and then some sort of puffy. I probably am not going to bring my puffy pants on this trip uh, with how warm it's going to be, but I am going to bring my puffy jacket because it popped. Well, actually, I'm driving. I'll probably bring all of it because why the fuck not? But if I was flying, I probably would pull out the pants, still bring the coat. Mine's long, so it hangs down past my ass, which is really nice because I don't know if that's because I'm shorter because it's by design, but it works because <laughs> then my butt doesn't get cold if I'm sitting. But then having that full system, right? And then bring a beanie. I bring a beanie in the summertime. You know, if you're camping out, put it on. It just helps with that heat retention within your bag. It's it's always going to help. Um, and then a blaze beanie, uh, preferably, which we have some for sale at huntlisty.com. Ah, new drop. <laughs> yeah, I bought cool. mine last night just for this trip. So perfect opportunity yeah. to go check them out, especially yeah. before it gets cold. Hell yeah. 
Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I have. Oh, gators are another big one for, yep. for this country. All right. A lot of sagebrush, a lot of cactus, <clears throat> gators, gators, gators. It just keeps the shit out of your boots. It helps the bottoms of your, if we, if you did end up getting some snow, it'll keep the bottom of your pants from getting wet. I don't know if you don't have experience in snow, uh, the moisture will actually wick. So the, if the base of your pants get, just get wet, uh, that water is going to climb up and actually can get down into your boots. And so it's kind of a problem once it hits your socks. And so it'll just expand. So you definitely want a good pair of gaiters. I uh, highly recommend. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I got for, for my person. What do you guys got to, to add to that? I mean, I always, I always toss in my rain gear. It's small. It's compact. Oh, that's a good point. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Great, I mean, r- rain gear. I've, I've been checking the forecast religiously since, since I got back from Colorado for this, for this uh, area of Wyoming. It looks like there's going to be very little chance of precipitation while we're there, but you know, rain gear weighs a few ounces. It packs up tiny, even flying. I'm, I'm going to bring that. Like you said, Luke, I'm not going to bring my puffy pants. Um, it's just going to be too warm for that. I'm going to bring my puffy jacket. Um, Gators are a must. Knee pads, if you have them for this style of hunting, um, the knee pads are, are uh, either the you know kind of just strap outside your pants or the, the little inserts that go in the in the uh, the pockets of your pants. If you have those for crawling through the cactus, chasing antelope, um, it's nice. Not a necessity, but uh, just one of those little makes it that much more bearable when you're trying to stalk on a on an animal that is designed to see you from hundreds of yards away through the cactus. You know what I wish I'd packed for Colorado, which I was thought about doing for this trip, Luke. It's probably not going to be necessary. <laughs> it looked kind of goofy, but like one of those wide brim hats. I mean, we were just getting baked in Colorado um, from the sun. I actually ended up with a decent little sunburn. So um, that's something to think of. That that western sun at that altitude always gets me. Uh, I always forget about how intense the sun is out there. But probably not a huge deal for this one. What you got, Carter? Uh, I run hot, so I'm gonna, I always bring my light stuff. I'll bring a light pair of pants, one of the really breathable pants. Um, and if it's warm that day, that's what I wear. And then I'll bring my, you know, midweight pants in case it does get a little chillier. Um, but those midweight pants are probably still a little light for most people because I run real hot and I've, I've been known to get you know, naked on a mountaintop in the middle of the snow to take off long johns and put on lighter pants because I just, I just sweat, dude. So I'm going to bring my, my real light stuff um, and leave behind the heavy stuff. Puffy's phenomenal, right? Pack it down. Gloves. I've got a, I've got some thicker leather gloves that are really good for crawling around in the cactus in this type of terrain that I like a lot. They're almost like, almost like like cow skin, like wart gloves. Um, if you know what I'm talking about and you know, is not leather cow skin? Isn't that what leather is? It could be any type of leather, but (laughs) you know, the gloves I'm talking about that you've worked with on every cattle farm you've ever worked on. I'm just busting your balls. Yeah. No, hundred percent. This type of terrain, like crawling around, you will get cactus in, in you and all over you. I still, it's, I still can't get it out of my hunting pants that I use for whitetail back here. I never will. Those gloves have been phenomenal, especially if it's not too cold, um, just to protect your hands when you're trying to put a stock on. Yeah, those when you're flying, you wouldn't pack light. Perry, I forgot about rain gear. You brought it up. I'll substitute my rain gear for like my shells. <clears throat> 
because it's pretty, it's fairly redundant. I prefer the shell. I'd actually, my shell is water resistant. And so like, if I can pack the kitchen sink, if I'm driving in, I'll pack it all. But if I have to pick, I'll just take the rain gear. The other thing is the rain gear can, you know, it'll keep you warm too, because it, it keeps you hot. So you can have a lot of flexibility. A lot of people never think of that a rain gear to wear outside of just the rain. And you can wear it in the mornings uh, when it's cool and it replaces that and helps you pack a little lighter. And then you know, on the pants piece, like what I would think I would bring right now is just like my typical pants with a lightweight pair of base layers on the off chance that, you know, you get a crazy weather swirl. Cause like you never want to just pack for the forecast, especially when you're coming out West, because it can get gnarly really quick. Like when we first went out for that first hunt in Wyoming, there was nothing on the forecast saying snow. Um, it was, there was like, I think it was saying a little bit of chance of snow, but not what we got, which was like a fucking blizzard. Like it was whiteout conditions, 85 mile hour wind gusts. Like it was crazy. So you just always want to be prepped. I've been on the mountain in September and gotten, you know, it's just the weather has shifted and you come, the weather drops 20 degrees and you get a pouring rainstorm with hail. Right. So you just gotta be, you gotta think about what could happen. Don't just plan for the weather, right? The weather out here. I always joke like and where we're at in the Springs, it's like completely irrelevant because the weather in North Springs and South Springs and Central Springs is completely different at all times. Uh, and it's not like that everywhere, but it's fairly, fairly much the case because the mountains will just split stuff. Uh, we're going pretty far east, but we're actually the closest mountains, I think, are in South Dakota um, where we're going for our hunt in Wyoming. But it just gets a little wonky when you're out here. Yeah, it's a good point. And something, this is just a little trick that I've kind of developed and it's worked out pretty well so far as it relates to weather and forecast is check the forecast and know what you're, you know, know what your um, so-called experts are calling for. But then also go check the historic lows and highs for that area for that time of year. And if you know that you have your, your forecast is here and then you've got your historic low and or high, you can probably guess that the you know if there is some sort of goofy swing that is you know unanticipated, it's probably going to be somewhere between that forecast and that that historic low and high. And it just kind of gives you a, a range of conditions to plan for, and that way you're not having to pack the kitchen sink, but you're also not caught with your pants down because inevitably, you know, forecasts change. There's unexpected events, and especially in this part of the world, you know, you just never really know. And and better to better to have, in my opinion have a little bit more gear and uh, not necessarily need it than, than to be miserable. Yeah. You definitely got to just be pre- like the old boy scout model, be prepared because yep. it does, it changes on a dime and there's nothing worse than being caught, you know, figuratively and literally with your pants down, uh, not with the right gear. So there's just some things that I always bring and that's like the lightweight base layers, uh, puffy coat, beanie, decent pair of, even if it's going to be warm, I'll bring like uh glove liners and then i can i might not bring my big ski gloves but then i can put my leather shells on top of that and then if i put them on my puffy probably some hand warmers you know stuff that you can pack flat or, or, or pack small that will just kind of it's kind of a force multiplier uh, for what you can do the other tip is like if you don't pack enough and then the weather does get cold you know when you're moving you're fine well it sucks when you stop you're going to set up glassing or whatever you can bring your sleeping bag out with you slide into your sleeping bag when you're glassing 
<clears throat> I've done that before. Uh, I use the, I have a Kafari Wubby that I use in that place. Now I just carry that in my pack at all times. That's also great because in a pinch, if I had to sleep out or I got stuck, it's less of a concern with what we're doing and where we're hunting here. Uh, but if in, in other circumstances and like on a, on a day hunt, having that just gives me a flexibility. I can turn it into a makeshift shelter. It's kind of water resistant. Wouldn't be great. Uh, I also keep a silicon nylon tarp that I can make into a true shelter if I'm going up in like the high country. Um, but yeah, that's just stuff to think about just building out some sort of redundancy within what you're carrying. But that kind of leads us into what's actually on our, on our person. So I carry a pretty sturdy day pack. I use the same frame that I use for all my hunts. I have a Kafaru frame. I use, I have two different packs that I've, I've been testing out and playing with to see, which I like more the 22 Magnum and the striker XL. <clears throat> I actually think I prefer the 22 Magnum. It's, it's, a little more versatile. The strikers got small for uh, the, the space it's got, but they're just like, you know, fairly decent sized day packs that you that have a meat shelf and the ability to pack out meat on top of all your, your shit. Uh, within that bag, I've got a kill kit. I've got my little tag holder that if you guys have been fans of, cause Carter, I lost my tags so many times cause I was used to having them on my phone. When I first started hunting out West, I now have this little ID badge holder that holds all my shit holds my uh, hunter safety cert has all my, and my pin so I can you know mark and sign when I if, if I ever tag out zip ties everything's self-contained right there on that little piece it's very very nifty like an American tourist with his passport over in Europe man he can't lose it <laughs> highly recommend it it really does I like every every everything needs a place right <clears throat> put it all in the, the same spot in my bag water i bring extra water now after my antelope fiasco several years ago where i was about to fucking drink out of a cattle trough some sort of water purification just in case i learned that the hard way i'll, I'll take my stereo pin with me in case i do need to drink out of a cattle trough you never know and i'm one of those dumbasses that and perry can attest is like you, you say how far you're gonna go away from the truck and then you're like well there might be something over that ridge. I think yeah. Tyler and Savannah were talking about that. And sometimes that can get you in trouble. And that's very much my personality. Um, and so it's, it's always good to have some sort of redundancy in there. For this hunt, I probably won't bring a tarp. But for almost every other one, like when we get up, go down for fourth rifle and for uh, elk in Colorado, I'll keep a silicon island tarp and a wooby and maybe even some sort of ground cloth in case I have to sleep out in, in a pinch and not be absolutely miserable. Rain gear will be in the bag, um, some chow, snacks, depending on what the plan is, enough to have a meal or two. Um, I think that's pretty much about it, though. First aid kit, med kit. Oh, yeah, tourniquet, and then the stop the bleed kit. Yeah, great, great yep. point there. Yeah, break breakdown kit, whatever you're going to use to break down the animal, which is you know generally, and for an antelope, a, a single knife is probably fine as long as it, you've checked it and it's sharp or if you got one of the – Ones with disposable blades, you get a couple extra blades, you know, um, don't overlook that. Uh, yeah, med kit's huge, just something to, even for, for these day trips, I mean, shit, walking out of, uh, in our Colorado hunt last week, back to the truck in the dark, I found two different gopher holes on different occasions and, and uh, fucking went up to my knee and gopher holes and, you know, things happen like, so always just a good idea to have that med kit, stop the bleed. Yeah, I'll break I would down. add, I would add uh, plenty of extra bullets whenever you're on your day walk around. Uh, you know, I always bring two boxes on these kinds of trips. That's plenty. You know, if you're sighted in, you want to confirm zero as soon as you get there. <clears throat> Not to backtrack, but 
confirm zero. And if you are not confirmed, that gives you a little wiggle room to go ahead and get confirmed. And then, you know, just throw a couple extra bullets in there just in case. You know, there's, they could be long shots or like whatever, right? Not to be like unethical, but it doesn't weigh a lot. So have a couple extra bullets in there. I usually keep them in a, a little Ziploc baggie that I have in my heel kit with, uh, you know, my, my tag and that kind of stuff and zip ties to attach the tag to the horns after you kill them or electrical tape or whatever you use. But a couple extra bullets never hurts. Yeah. I found that out the hard way when I ran out of bullets last time. I was want, in Wyoming. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's light enough. Throw a couple extra in there. It's low yep. stakes kind of thing. Yeah. Showing up, confirming zero, paying attention after you concern, con, uh, confirm your zero, because this is what I did, and I confirmed zero, felt very confident. And then at some point while I was hunting, and I'm, you know, this style of hunting, when you're jumping from different parts of public to different, you know, it's a lot of checkerboard tracks. Um, we're actually hunting with Infinite Outdoors uh, through their app on a piece of private that adjoins public. So we're going to hunt both, uh, which is it's pretty cool. But this will be our first antelope private hunt, which I'm excited about. I'm hoping this increases our odds and I finally, we finally get a, get Perry one on the ground. The rest of the boys are killing a buck. Cause I haven't killed a buck yet, but, but yeah, when you're jumping around, you're coming in and out of the truck. What I did was I just hit my scope at some point. I hit my turret, um, my elevation turret and shot it up and just didn't pay attention and didn't realize it. So I was shooting high and I ended up wounding antelope. Um, after I kept crawling up to get closer and closer, cause I, I was missing so bad that it wasn't even moving when I took my first two shots and then <laughs> crawled up and then hit her at uh at like one, I think I got to one sixteen low crawling. So it's just like one of those things. It's always, that was a really hard lesson learned for me. So don't make that mistake. Pay attention to what you're doing. Coming in on the truck, don't get complacent. Don't throw your rifle in the back. It's actually why I have now in my truck, I've got a, a safe where the rifle sits underneath the seats in a safe. It's got, you know, structure that keeps it from getting sloshed around and everything so just take care of your equipment because it, it fucking matters um on the kill kit or no, excuse me on the first aid kit i did we've we've talked about it a bunch of times different podcasts but we have a bunch of new listeners so uh, i keep a pretty uh slim stop the bleed kit because my thoughts on it are literally we just need to stop the bleed get back to the truck i have a more robust kit in the truck and then from there it's in the truck to a hospital right and that's something i haven't done yet but i'll make sure that i actually pick out where the closest hospital is where's the closest urgent care where there's medical facilities and then have the route kind of pre-planned and prepped that's something i always like to do and look at and so i know like if something happens and that's something that what i used to do i haven't i've actually been complacent with it maybe i'll do it this time is actually print out like the old map quest instructions and slap that bitch you know somewhere in camp and then that way it's if somebody if that shit happens you don't always have cell phone signal you don't always have you know service out in some of these areas you have a hard copy of a map with the roads and how to get to that nearest facility because you might not even be able to call for that medical support and if you're out you know in the back country having like a garmin with the SOS is, is also nice, but now most, a lot of the new phones, you can run SOS off a satellite just to the phone, which is a cool feature. But on the, uh, the stop the bleed kit that I carry in my person, I carry Luco tape. I have that shit everywhere. I've talked about this shit for years. It's incredible. Um, it's just a medical tape that'll stick to anything. I've used it to patch my puffy, uh, you can patch sleeping bags and do, do it a lot of stuff with it. Uh, guys, I've tourniquets multiple places in the trucks, uh, on my person and then in the, uh, in my bag as well. And, and then another one in the med kit. And then 
have I have super glue, ace wrap, a bunch of general band-aids, because like most of the time you're actually just gonna probably cut your fucking finger on your knife. Um, and then some alcohol prep pads so you can sterilize that kind of thing. Uh, I've had cellulitis before. It sucks. It's really shitty when you're watching the veins darken going up your arm. Kind of freaks you out a little bit. So, like, take care of that stuff. Don't think, like, oh, it's just a little cut. When you're out there in a, in a you know, environment where you're taking a shit out in the woods, wiping your, you know, you don't have water to wash it off with necessarily. Hand sanitizer, like, you're not always getting clean, right? So, just take advantage or take care of that stuff. And you have, if you have those little nicks, clean it up. Um, but that's pretty much all I keep in my kit. I don't think I'm forgetting anything. I should have had it sitting here next to me. But... Strike anywhere matches that'll burn up those ones that'll burn underwater. I always keep those as like an emergency. I keep like five of them. Uh, I think that's about it though. But really, it's real rudimentary. It's like if somebody lays their arm open, clean it out, super glue, gauze, fucking ace wrap, put it on there. Some sort of like arterial bleed. All right, we got tourniquets, put them on. Same thing, wrap it. You know, it's enough just for like trauma, get shit, everything stitched back up. Let's get back to the truck. We got more uh, shit there. Take care of it and then stabilize whatever and then get to the damn hospital as quickly as possible or get somewhere where we can get a helo in. So that's just the stuff to kind of think about when you're thinking about your medical. Think through that stuff. If people just kind of gloss over their medical plan. Actually think through it because it's just it's really important. Yeah, I mean, chances are six guys out there for a week. There's a, there's a pretty decent chance that someone's going to at least have some sort of little minor injury. And, and on that tourniquet, you know, we've talked about it before. It's there's been, um, like here at HLE with the team, there's been a couple of seminars and, and so forth on how to use some of these things. But I mean, I can't encourage folks enough to get a tourniquet, keep it in the truck, keep it in their bag, keep it in their hunting bag. Um, it's light. It takes up almost no space and learn how to use it, learn how to use it properly. Um, Cause you do that and you can exponentially increase the odds of, of survival of life and limb and, uh, in a true emergency like that. I keep one in each door and in my center console, right? Cause if you think about it, like they're made to be utilized one handed practice yep. them one handed. It's not as yep. they're made to be used one handed. Make sure you're storing it correctly. This is yep. some shit that would always happen with some of my, my soldiers when we would rip their stuff open uh, would be, they wouldn't actually pre prep it. So the, you know, like the male end is slid through the female end and actually latch. So you can just slide your arm in and then he's trying to do actually thread all that shit. One hand is a pain in the ass. So you don't want your stuff totally, uh, splayed out, check them, especially if you know, you're a former military guy or you're buying these things secondhand, make sure everything works, crank them down. Like you can put them on yourself and crank them to where you're using them. They sh- it should hurt. Uh, they should be extremely uncomfortable. Make sure to, you know, hold, don't get cheap ones. Uh, don't get, look at uh, brands like, North American Rescue, they, uh, their Cat 4 is really good. Don't go and get the cheapest thing off Amazon because you don't want this shit to fail if you ever need it. But they're worth the money and they're worth having to stash everywhere. But yeah, what else outside of we've got med, water, we truck water in usually, uh, just a bunch of cases from Walmart or Costco. And then I'll have a big igloo cooler, like the old, you know, T ball ones filled up that'll probably throw some ice in, maybe put some electrolyte mix or something in there so everybody has like quick water they can refill their stuff in camp having camp water accessible is very nice uh yeah and when you're not just when you're trying to do general things and then one thing that nobody ever thinks about that i think is like the most underrated but most appreciated thing is the ability to have good lights and good lighting for (laughs) at night 
So I buy those cheap little clamp, like the ones that like, you know, your dad would like clamp onto the, it's like a light bulb that screws into the little aluminum foil fucking globe. And you, (laughs) they're like three or four bucks at Lowe's and they produce a hell of a lot of light. You can throw it off a power strip, run it off the generator and you can clamp them onto everything. And they're fucking awesome. And just having the ability to see what you're doing and going through your shit when you're in camp is absolutely phenomenal. And for some reason, people always forget forget that. And that's something I'm just very anal about. If I can drive in, I'm definitely bringing lights <laughs> more than a headlamp. Yeah, that's a good point. And you get, I mean, we're going to be hunting till dark, most likely. If we shoot one, uh, good chance you could be packing the meat back to camp well after dark, be able to come back, break it down, cook supper, have the illumination. Uh, those little creature comforts are are you know, what is so nice about hunting this style, right? That's what, that's kind of what the, the, uh, the point is of this type of hunting. So just think through, like if you were at, if you were at your typical, um, deer camp or your typical Airbnb or whatever little creature comforts that you like having around home for cooking dinner, you know, processing meat, um, et cetera, uh, think about some of those things. And, and with all of the different options that are out there in today's marketplace, no reason not to enjoy the creature comforts when you're when you're doing a, a hunt of this style, which brings us to um, meal prep. Carter, you want to like talk about how you guys have done meal prep in the past because um, I kind of have an idea of what I expect it to look like. I know as long as uh, as Four long gallons. as you got the yeah, as long as, rosemary, I can say as long as Carter's got his rosemary, he'll figure something out. It's all I'm bringing, <laughs> just rosemary. Well, I think how we're doing it this year is smart where every everybody's taking a night right. and kind of owning that for dinner for everybody. You know, we've had uh, grills in camp before, which are talk about those creature comforts. That's been way sweet. So you could grill up some burgers or sausages. I think Tim made sausages and onions, like brats and onions and peppers last time. And that was like, that was huge after, you know, full day of hunting. Like that was a good meal. So we're splitting it up. Everybody's going to take a night and that's a good way to one divvy up expenses and responsibilities. So not one person just being camp bitch the whole time. Although I would like to tag out and be camp bitch. Uh, happy to do that for the rest of the trip. That'd be a good goal. So that's the plan for this time around. Easy stuff. Keep it simple. Yeah, I like anything with foil. Uh, the other thing that I like is to when you're planning and prepping, like what as much prep as you can do not in camp, the better. Um, now, if you're flying in, obviously you can't do that. But like me, for instance, I can prep a lot of shit at my house and then drive up. The <clears throat> aluminum foil pans are money. Uh, you can do a lot on them, and then you just roll them up and throw them away, you know, like the roaster pans or whatever. Those things are fucking awesome. So anything that you can do that's like, you know, might not be the most eco-friendly, but doesn't matter when you look at the what China and India are doing. So fuck it. We'll, I'll keep using my aluminum foil pans and throwing that shit in the trash when I'm done because uh, I hate doing dishes in camp. A couple you know other things that, sorry, Carter, but that I think that are underrated and very nice if you're driving in are uh, tables. Tables just are a game changer. When you have the ability to like not cook off a tailgate yeah. and have some table space and, and camp chairs for and then camp chairs. Yep. 
Yep, camp chairs. And then we're going to have our heavy-duty canopy, which will be nice. So we're going to, like, back the trailers in. So we have all the trailers and the canopy in the center. Yeah, it's going to be nice. Circle the wagons. So we'll have those, you know, anchored down. So if it doesn't blow away, it's pretty heavy duty. It's better than the last one I brought out there. But we'll uh, we'll have a good setup. Uh, cots, if you can have a cot instead of sleeping on the ground, highly recommend it. The, the REI, I don't know, it's like the one that's like 150 60 bucks. That one's super nice. Any of those really high-end cots are, are worth it. I sleep as good on those as I do my, my bed. I'm a big fan of being comfortable and getting good sleep. If I cannot sleep on the ground and I have the option, I won't. I have no problem sleeping on the ground. I'll sleep anywhere. But if I can sleep you know, in a good cot, I'll definitely do that shit uh, all, all the time. And then a heater. Now, we probably won't need it. But even if it's the, the highs are in the six, 65, the lows are still probably going to be pretty damn cold. And so just being able to turn a heater on in the morning, cut the chill as you're getting ready, um, getting doing all that shit, definitely highly recommend. Something to be cognizant of with your heaters, though. And I run a Mr. Buddy propane, but propane burns wet. So if you let that thing run all night or if you burn it in a tent or, you know, they'll, it'll actually cause a lot of condensation versus if you have like a wood stove. So with what we're doing, um, I'll probably bring it and we'll just run it periodically just to kind of cut the the bite off the cold uh, in the mornings. But I ran, I've had issues in the past with those things causing a lot of uh, condensation. But yeah. As far as chairs go, my favorite non-resident hack right here. When you fly in, find your nearest Walmart, buy your camp chairs, take them to camp, camp with them, and then return them on your way out. Because fuck them. <laughs> Suck Walmart, and they'll take them. Exactly. Here's your pro move right there. Cheers is a big deal, especially if there's any moisture. If if it even looks like rain, Wyoming turns into miserable gumbo, muddy soup. It's terrible. You just want to sit down somewhere that's not going to get your entire clothing covered with this gumbo soup. So, chairs a clutch. And you can do that same little hack with coolers. Yeah. If you, you can do, do anything, man, yeah. fuck them. they'll take I mean, it. We, we probably won't have that issue because antelope are pretty small and you can fit a lot of, a lot of meat into one of those little soft coolers that, that you can just use as a carry on. We've talked about that, but in the case that you have a ton of meat, yeah, do the same thing with the cooler, uh, for a little, little flying hack there. Yeah. If we're talking about like what to do after we kill them, something that worked well for me for my mule deer was we Got him back to camp, boned him out in camp, and then I brought a bunch of gallon size, the zip freezer bags, and a big old, sh- actually a bunch of Sharpies, because I didn't want to screw this up or lose one or have one die or whatever. A pile of Sharpies, like one of those packs of three, and then we just started filling <clears throat> the gallon bags and labeling it with whatever cuts they were into the soft-sided cooler, and then it, I was amazed Luke already to- had told me forever uh, the, how effective it was, but I was amazed that whole deer could fit in that, you know, in two of those big, uh, whatever they are, 30, no, not 30 liters, no way it's 30 liter, but it's like the midsize, like Ozark soft-sided cooler that, you know, you would put like a 24 case of beer in or something. Yeah, they're sweet. I love that system. The problem is, is those two that I have that I can fit the smaller one into the bigger one. That's great. They stopped making them. So that, that fucking sucks. Cause that, that's a cool little system there to be able to double up, you know, when you get to there, if you, if you do kill something, but 
What other gear? There's got to be socks. You need good socks. We didn't talk about socks. Thick Lots socks. If you're gonna bring too much stuff, bring too many socks. Yeah, for sure. Ah, see, I'm well. This trip, I'll probably bring three or four pairs. But I used to overpack socks all the time, and like when I'm going, if I'm going and I'm like hunting off my back, I just carry two pairs, and I wear one. One's drying out. I will rinse it off in like a creek or something and let it dry, and then you know, vice versa, and then just wear two pairs of socks. But having the ability to just bring it like having some extras but I, I don't know i end up wearing socks if you're getting the like darn toughs you can wear darn toughs you can rotate them and not even wash them and wear them a couple days out of each pair and be fine um just the high-end socks highly recommend darn tough don't have a relationship with them wish it did darn tough if you're listening <laughs> i've been running your shit for a long time and i haven't even returned them i've got like 10 pairs with holes and i haven't even taken advantage of the uh the warranty yeah one of these days i'm gonna they're just gonna get a box of 40 pairs of socks i'll be like replace these (laughs) who the hell is luke cox jesus (laughs) a a decade's worth of fucking darn toughs that i'm sending back at once well fuck are we done we finished early let's see what uh what do we got to make sure roger doesn't forget to bring his rifle rifle yeah i was gonna say (laughs) Binos, optics, rangefinder. Ah, yeah. Great point. There we go. This is actually... Okay, so I was running... A, I actually really ended up liking the system that, that I had that I didn't even mean to have. So Perry, I have a bipod for my muzzleloader. I'll have one on my rifle. I have a shooting stick that's made by Vanguard. That's a stick with three... It's like a tripod kind of legs that just pop out. Uh, that's pretty fucking solid i mean perry you used it he didn't shoot but i mean i really like that you can shoot that thing straight up from standing all the way to like in the prone uh we're sitting and in between it's pretty pretty awesome and then i grabbed a vanguard tripod to upgrade off my shitty vortex one and i love it it was like 1.8 it's 1.8 pounds it's carbon fiber it's only like 250 bucks and i don't vanguard veo veo i think maybe it's the model I took that thing and I have, I can swap it out to put my binos on it or I've got one of those, uh, I don't remember the brand, but it's one of those rifle clamps. So you put the rifle in it and then you can crank it down so it'll hold it snug. Uh, so it's a really secure setup. And for the like that thing, being able to have my binos, like, and for what it weighs at 1.8 pounds, like it's, it's kind of a no brainer. And that thing will extend all the way out the tripod legs so you can have it like flat and almost use it like a bipod. Um, so it's a really cool setup for just shooting stability. And after ha- like using it the way I did uh, on this antelope hunt, definitely going to be my go-to like going forward for any sort of rifle hunting, because I just like, you just can't beat the confidence of having a solid setup uh, and being like steady and you're not shooting off a pack or trying to like shoot offhand or even shooting the prone where you're, you know, set up on a rock or something and you're just trying to get all comfortable, you know, to really get yourself in there. Um, I think it's going to, is definitely a, a difference maker. And that was the one, that was the big tip that uh, Mark, when we had Mark D'Ambrosio on, who's a, from alone, when he was on the podcast a couple months ago, when we were talking about Western hunting and long distance shooting, not even long distance shooting, just rifle hunting out West. He was like, get yourself a decent tripod. So the one he recommended was $700, but the one I got. Yeah, I went a little cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm i doing the same. I did the same thing. I actually bought it like that weekend after we talked to him. I got the Primos Gen 3 tripod or whatever. I used it in Hawaii 
when we were hunting Axis, and it was awesome. One of the guys I was hunting with brought it, super solid, um, easy to switch out the uh, heads on the top, so you can throw on your whatever bino or spotting scope or the actual shooting rest or whatever. So I'm going to give that a try this time around. Are you the one of you guys bringing a spotting scope? I don't think I am because I don't care. (laughs) I might bring it. I'll probably throw it in the truck. It's it's sitting in my truck right now, so I probably won't take it out of the truck. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that I would act. And just to have it, you know, and like, I do want to be, we're hunting private. We've got a decent amount of time. I'm not going to go out there the first day and shoot a spike, right? I'm going to let Carter and Roger have those, and I'm going to sit there and be a little more patient. I might shoot a spike day one, just saying. <laughs> I think at this point, and I, I'm just do whatever you want. I'm firmly content with you know passing on, passing early to be able to hunt for a couple. I don't want to tag out the last day because I'm trying to come back earlier because I got to go straight to Louisiana post. <laughs> leave my family again post uh post this hunt but so i want to come back a few days early but i would like to hunt for a couple of days and maybe be a, a little bit selective and try to get a, you know not expecting a trophy but get a decent buck on the ground yeah mine's my plan is for it to be bigger than the last one i killed well this should allow us to do that hopefully what uh what binos are you running perry i'm bringing my uh same pair I had in Colorado, Vortex, Diamondbacks. Um, that's actually the only halfway decent pair of, of binos that I have. They're they 10 by 12 buys? They're 10 buys. Yeah, I have Diamondback 10 by 42s that I, you know, I use those a lot offhand. And then I have the 12s that I leave in my pack that I'll pull off when we're sitting in glass and on the tripod. I can run those offhand, but I really prefer the 10s. But I yeah, wish I had not gotten the 12s and I gotten the 15s and then upgraded. I want to upgrade. I might end up doing that. I might sell the 12s, buy the 15s for when you're glassing off the tripod, and then you upgrade the 10 by 42s to a higher model because my 12s are the razors and they're nice. But for the money of what they cost, I don't think, I don't know that they're worth it at 12, at the 12s. Yeah, that, that's my plan is to upgrade mine in the future and, and get something probably in that 15 by range for for something to stick on a tripod tripod and really do. And I mean, you get you get a good pair of glass like that that can that, that has that that wide aperture that can kind of take the the place of a of a of a spotting scope in a lot of instances. And a little tip, just um, it worked out pretty well for Luke and I in Colorado last week. Is he had his 12 buys, I had my 10 buys, and so a lot of times if there was quick kind of offhand glassing, um, just kind of quick scanning, searching, et cetera, I did a lot of that. And then if we were really trying to, to, if we were sit down, set up kind of, you know, glassing in a spot and really trying to dial in and focus on, yeah, pick it apart or or focus on the details of like analyzing the size of, of different animals. um, That was where his came in handy. So having two different options, if you happen to be hunting in a team is just a, a nice little tip there. Having the ability to put your binos on a tripod is a game changer. Like it's better to have like shittier binos. Like diamondbacks on a tripod are better than razors offhand. Like they just are any any day of the week. So or you know, any other glass. So just having the ability to, I say buy back tripod, any just the ability to be able to have them steady and then scan and glass, like it's just a game changer once you do it. 
um, and it's it's definitely definitely worth it to to have that ability. I'm excited, boys. Need to make sure we bring. Uh, I'm fucking sober, which is terrible. Going into camp sober, but needed to happen. So I will not be boozing or partaking, but uh, we'll bring some cards and some stuff to to fuck around and do podcast equipment. We can record some in person stuff, and yeah, I'm getting real stoked. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to finally chase these things with something other than a muzzleloader in my hands. And I mean, Carter, we've been talking about coming out to Wyoming. I've been hearing you sing Wyoming's praises for years now. So I, I probably should k- quit doing it, man. I I love that state so much. I should probably yeah. talk about it less. Well, I'm, I for one am excited to see it. I'm excited for uh, Roger and Bobby to come out their first Western trip. It's going to be a blast, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we've been talking about it for over a year now, man, and finally making it happen. Yep. It's cool, too. This is the first – there's been a bunch going on recently, which is awesome to see. But I think this is my first hunt, lift, eat, team hunt that I'm going on. Yeah, we're kind of late to the game, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, a, I mean, there's been a bunch happened. this year. I mean, Someone this past weekend, the elk trip. Yep. The squirrel trip. They did the yeah, squirrel camp up in Kentucky. It's been really cool to watch that. Like, it's kind of taken on a life of its own uh, with folks coming together and – putting together hunts and trips and you know just getting getting the team together across the nation it's it's wild it's weird to like sit back and watch it i mean is that how it feels for you carter it's like it's got it's got legs now yeah exactly it's like it's almost like having your toddler and like you've you've raised it up and like it's kind of stepping and now it's just like running around and running all over the place like my fucking crazy son is going for a jaunt out of the garage man oh my god dude my that son, ex- like oh, he escaped <laughs> yesterday. Thank God we just put in the security system, man. Because like Caroline yells at me. I was in, the, in here working. Door was shut. She was upstairs with the baby and Barrett. Barrett was in the baby's room. She goes to, to the bathroom, walks out. Baby's in the crib. Barrett's not reading his book on the floor anymore. And she's like looking around and she's like, it's way too quiet. <laughs> <laughs> And so she hollers at me and she's like, do you have Barrett? And I was like, speaking of the devil, he's right behind me uh, trying to get in. But I was like, no. And then she like looks and saw the door was open to the garage. And then the gar- the big garage door, I had, I had gone out and done some of your work and walked back in and left it open. I ran out, man. He had crossed the fucking street. He's over by uh, like, he's gone for three minutes. <laughs> fucking heart fall out of your fucking ass, man. Yep. Happens fast. Very quick. Yeah. So we, we now, the SOP is all the doors get dead bolted at all times because the yep. kid will just be gone. Absolutely gone. And then later that night, last night, because this was yesterday, I think it all runs together. There was a kid, a toddler that went missing in our neighborhood. Same deal. And so Caroline was like freaking out because like it could have been Barrett, you know? So I ended up driving around last night looking for this kid for a couple hours. Damn. Yeah. They ended up finding them, so no big deal. But, like, same type deal. A kid just, like, ran outside, you know, and it's like, ah, happens quick. So, all worked out, though. Always does. Yeah, not always. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time it does. Occasionally. Well, shit, fellas. I'm stoked. I'm excited. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a time. Roger, remember your fucking rifle. I have to make sure I don't forget a thing. The amount of shit I've been talking to Roger, though. Like, holy (laughs) cow. Could you imagine if I forget something, anything? It's like, Luke forgot a toothbrush. All right, fucker. Like, I'll never hear the end of it. So, going to make sure I bring everything. Hopefully, Bobby bought a sleeping bag by now. 
Dude, that man didn't own a sleeping bag. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what, what do we, what do, do I need to bring like bedding? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like sheets in a pillow? Like, <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'll just go get a cheap comforter at Walmart. I was like, yeah, man, you can do that. Bring an inflatable mattress, buddy. Are you bringing a cot, Carter? No, I don't. I haven't figured out how to, my, my cot weighs a lot. It packs up, but it's not light. How small does it get? That. What are, are you checking a bag? Yeah, I thought about just buying one and shipping it to your house. You do that. And then you just have another one for whatever camp you go to. Well, I could even, Garrett could even bring it out to you uh, at Rendezvous. Good. Yeah, maybe I'll so, do that. We're doing, uh, dude, I'm, I'm actually getting excited for Rendezvous. We have, we're going to do outfitter tents now. So we'll have outfitter tents with a wood stoves. Hell yeah. Give everybody the old Western experience. That's right. Yeah, we're we're gonna go up to the barn lot, and uh, we'll, we won't be down on the river again. We'll be up at the barn lot and camp up there. We'll have uh, all the all the weirdos. You guys are gonna get in one tent, and then I'll be in another. I might even go sleep in the house. <laughs> I'll be two hundred <laughs> yards from my dad's house. <laughs> might go sleep in a cozy bed while you guys sit out in the cot. <laughs> Got a lot of cool shit coming down the pipe though with with HLE just across the board, all the hunts and all the opportunities coming up. We've got this, this one. And then we got our fourth rifle elk hunt that I'm really excited about. That one's going to be interesting. We're going to, there's going to be some snow up there after spending some time up at that, uh, up at that place. Like definitely bring the gators. I might even get insulated boots for that one. Um, I might even get snowshoes. Like we might be post holing. Yeah. It's they've had like some deep ass snow up there. So Fourth we're rifle. Another gear episode with enough time for me to order what I need. Yeah. Well, uh, everything uh, just warmer. So definitely puffies, layers, more merino, uh, thicker shit across the board, thick socks. I am planning on bringing gear for that one to be able to spike, even though we have the base camp, which is either going to be in the outfitter tent or that cabin. But <clears throat> where we're going to be hunting there, uh, I went to the Glasson point and we're looking we're actually, we're approaching it from the, from private, but we're hunting public, but it's, there's, it's the mountain and there's these benches all the way down and they'll, and they'll come out and there's open areas within those benches and that's where they'll come out and graze. Apparently even in fourth rifle, it's a pocket because of uh, where it's at, that they'll sit there and they, the resident herd actually holds up on that side of the mountain. So I think having the ability to spike would be beneficial because we see them out there like late, we either wake up real early or just head out that night. There's a trail that goes the backside of the mountain, which is a bear, be a long walk. Uh, then we get to the top camp and then can come down from the top in the morning. That's going to be a, a tactic that I think could do us some good instead of trying to chase them from the bottom up. That'll be a little different than this hunt we're going on next week. Yeah, this this is a, this is like a real hybrid. The the fourth rifle is like it's not it's still not backcountry. We might do a little backcountry if we spike, but it, it's like your toes wet. We'll definitely get our toes wet for for you guys that that uh have done. Who else coming on that one? Garrett, you, Cole, Ritter, and then our cameraman. Oh, we have a uh, Sean Koontz is coming on the. Uh, the Wyoming hunt too for animal. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we'll have a camera guy there too, which will be sweet. He's coming for the first couple days and then he's got to go do a family thing, but that'll be sweet. I got to call him. So we'll actually get some good content for you guys. Hopefully some, some better footage. We got some professionals coming out to do some filming instead of 
couple of nut sacks with an iPhone. Try to make this look a little better. <laughs> we need something to make us look better. Yeah. Well, ask him if he's got a camera that will remove 15, 20 pounds. It's the one he needs to use on my fat ass. That's why I'm not drinking. So, All right, boys. Well, I think we're about wrapped it up. What do you got to close us out there, Perry? Not much, man, other than just I'm looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to this hunt for a long time. Like Carter like Carter said there, we've been talking about it. I'm about to make it happen. So I'm hoping to bring fucking five dead antelope back east with us. That's the plan. Now it's t- time to execute. Hell yeah. What do you got, Carter? Hunt with default drop. Happened this week. Nice. Check it out. Yeah, even if you guys listen to this years from now, just go get on the website and <laughs> buy some shit. Help us out. We're struggling. We need to we need to sell some stuff. I'm too aggressive with everything we're doing. Overextended. Buy some stuff. Support us. We appreciate you guys. Yeah, I'm stoked. I'm. I just said this to Carter the other day. I was like, dude, I'm going to see you for like four months in a row. I like that. That was a Salt good. Salt Lake day. City in September. Yep. October antelope hunt. November yep. elk hunt. December rendezvous. I'm like, dude, this should be our schedule every single month. We got to make this happen. If you're staying back east, which I know you are, we're going to do a monthly hunt or a monthly get together every year or every month for the rest of our lives. Locking it in now. Sorry, Robin. (laughs) I want in on this. All right, you're in. I've invited you (laughs) a bunch of places. I invited you to this fourth (laughs) rifle hunt and you didn't take. You're like, oh, I can't travel again. (laughs) I can't do two or three Western hunts because of this arbitrary thing I made up in my head. <laughs> yeah, there's an arbitrary thing called a job. <laughs> it's over Thanksgiving. You're not going to be working anyways. That's true. I'll definitely be hunting just back home. Yeah, you'll be just hunting whitetails. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that does kind of suck, actually, that we're going to miss things. It's like my favorite holiday. It's because I'm fat. <laughs> oh, man. Well, shit, boys. I'm stoked. I'm excited as hell. Uh it's going to be a good time. Everybody go through your gear. Double check that shit. Roger, check your shit. I'm going to check mine too. Make sure I'm not, I'm squared away. I've actually kind of started packing. I got my shit all laid out. So that's good. It's the nice thing about having our antelope hunt Perry is like I'm halfway organized right now instead of just like straight into it, rolling up with a gypsy cam. That's the other problem with hunting from a truck is like sometimes I just pile shit in there. <laughs> Looks terrible. Open the door. Shit's falling out. It's a disaster. But Usually I, it is. Yep. Well, as always, we appreciate the hell out of you guys. We'll talk to you soon.